I, I appreciate so much that opportunity that I have as a uh, father to be able to, to speak the word of God, minister the word. It's a privileged opportunity and to have kind of cut the message in half or, or kind of just uh, let, it, let, let it culminate and now to kind of reopen it. I'm going to trust God's going to meet us here today. Yes. He's already met us in worship. Yes. You know, I feel like Mary who fell at the feet of Jesus. I felt like I was at his feet able to worship him. And, uh, but now I want to be Mary who sits at the feet of Jesus when he shares his word. Yes. And I want to receive his word. And, and because when I, when I receive his word, it makes me want to fall at his feet and worship him. And so let's pray for preaching to be easy in the house today. Let's pray. You know, I don't ever want to leave anyone out in, in preaching. I, I certainly want preaching to be broad enough that every person, male or female, young or old, can receive something from God's word. But I also don't want it to be so vague that I can't speak directly to someone or a particular uh, populace within our church. And certainly, I have used uh, the uh, opportunity to speak to men. And that's a great privilege that I have to to challenge the men of our church and and, and ask God to do something special in their lives. So I'm going to pray and ask you to just stand with me today one last time. And we're going to be gleaning through two psalms in a few moments, not while we stand but we're going to be in two of the, the, the psalms that was a part of our text from last week that we didn't quite make it to. I, I kind of touched on them real quickly. It's only a total of 11 verses in both psalms. And, but, but they speak to men, and they speak to men about their role in the family. And uh, I, I just want to just ask God to just take it. Take it. Get a hold of it. Write it in the tablet of our heart. Help each man to become the man God's called them to be. Every situation is different. Every family is different. The culture of your family differs from the family that's just down the seat from you. But I'm telling you, God can add blessing to your family. And I have found that perhaps the greatest tool that God can use to transition the blessing of the Father, the Heavenly Father, to the family is to have an earthly father who recognizes that God's blessings upon him and then he begins a, a, a process of passing that blessing to his family. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're grateful to be in this house. Thankful. So speak to us today. I'm totally dependent upon you today, Father, in the name of Jesus. My church family has allowed me to confess my inadequacies and my lack of preparation in certain areas through the confusion of the last couple of weeks in my life. However, God, I have found a friend in Jesus. God, and I have found a solace and a comforter in your Holy Spirit and a strength. The psalmist said, lead me to the rock that's higher than I am. And God, I need to be on that rock today. It's there that I must make my defense. It's there that I must take my stand. I pray, God, today you would add your blessing upon this good word. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Guys, as you're receiving this particular wristband to just kind of tuck it on your arm there and kind of join with me it's just a reminder of a biblical promise i shared with you last week that there were 13 times in the new in the in both the old and the new testament that the exact phrase blessed is the man appears in the king james version of the bible from those i was working myself kind of diligently down to seven distinct points of precepts that those scriptures actually taught and promoted and it began in Psalm 1. That's where it's captured on the wristband in Psalm 1. 
uh, speaks about blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. goes on in the second verse to say his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his word he will meditate day and night. He'll eventually become like a tree that's planted by the river of water of life. He'll bring forth his fruit in its season. All because a man made a change in his life to come out of a life of confusion, a life of contention, a life of uh, disruption, and to put his faith in God. I, tell you, I don't think there's anything that can turn a family around, I don't want to say more quickly, but perhaps more consistently than when a man begins to pursue God with all of his heart. An abandonment, abandonment that says, I used to sit in the seat of the scornful. I used to walk this path. I used to run with heathen folk, but now I've determined my delight is in the law of God. I'm going to meditate upon it day and night. Blessed is the man whose mind is stayed upon the Lord. Man is blessed who keeps his mind stayed upon God. We worked our way systematically through some of those principles today or last week, and I want to, not necessarily, I'm not going to go back and pick them up. I want to bring it to, uh, rather to a culmination. One of the things that I have found as a privilege uh, of mine as a man, and I, I've shared with you openly that I recognize that there's a new, what, it, what is it, a gender neutrality in some areas of Scripture. I understand that. There are things that are just uh, applicable to each person of the sexes, that it's just applicable to all of us. The grace of God, the mercy of God, God's value upon our lives. He doesn't value a man above a woman, a woman above a man, right? So all of that is equal, and we recognize it. We recognize the, the mystery where Paul said there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither male nor female. God, in essence, broke down the middle wall of partition between the Jew and the Greek in his relationship with the Gentiles. God has... Uh, brought us into covenant faith, the same as a Jew that had faith in Christ. But also in the sense of God certainly has, has revealed his great love to all men and to all women. Now again, there's neither, God doesn't value either of the sexes above the other. But God has clearly defined roles in the Word of God. I mean, to, to argue against the clearly defined roles of the Word of God is to literally blatantly reject the truth of Scripture. Because when you read the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians, it speaks directly to husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, see that you submit yourself unto your husband as is fit in the Lord. There's, there's no uh, shadowy area there. It's direct. It speaks to mothers, young mothers, that gives no place for the enemy to speak reproachfully. It speaks to fathers where it plainly says, Fathers, do not provoke your children unto wrath but to bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. So God in his infinite wisdom can certainly apply his grace and his mercy and his kindness, his value the, the, of, of his heart towards all of us, but also in his wisdom he can still clearly define roles and responsibilities that we should function in as an individual in the kingdom of God and as it relates to who we are and what we're called to be and what we're called to do. And I believe that if a man is married... If he's married, that God expects him to take the leadership in his home. I believe that that leadership should uh, expand to all areas. It should take an expansion into 
provision. It doesn't mean that he is the, 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 the lone breadwinner in the home. We live in a culture and a time when many times both spouses are working. Doesn't mean that in entire, certainly, but it certainly means that he's going to make sure that his family's provided for. He's going to recognize the gift that God gave him and his wife. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say that a husband is a gift to a wife. But the Bible says, he that findeth a wife has found a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. She's a gift from God. And when a man has a revelation of this, it will cause him to value his wife more delicately and with greater sense of appreciation. So now I'm speaking to married men certainly as well. And then from that marriage becomes fatherhood. And from that fatherhood in our time, we have both uh, the, the traditional family but we also have the blended family. And so it's, which takes upon itself a whole new set of, uh, you know, uh, adjustments that it takes for the blended family. But I've found that God's word is sufficient to help every family. And I have found so much in my observation, who've been pastoring uh, over 20 years now and observing and preaching for over 30 years now and observing when I see a man, when I see a husband, when I see a father, get on fire for God, and really begin to do the things that we're talking about here today. I'm telling you, it sets the house in order. Amen. It does. Amen. You know, I've found that when a man is against God and against the purposes of God, I'm telling you, it keeps the house in confusion and contention. There'll never be peace in that home. I know a lot of times we kind of jokingly say, you know, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, well, I guess a part of that might be true, but I have found, I have found, somebody needs to answer that real quick. That may be the Lord calling, <laughs> saying, preach on, brother, preach on. I have found that when a husband and a father has a distorted spirit, he's twisted in his thinking, he's an angry, bitter man that there's no joy in the home because his influence seems to be greater in passing that resentment into his family and his children. But on, in like manner, I have found that when a man is happy, you know, the word blessed there in the Hebrew certainly means what you think of blessed. But in its actual, break that word down to its very definite origin in the language, it means to be happy. I mean, just let's just say, I mean, it's just what, I don't have to have a theological degree to say when you've got a happy man in the house, then there can be happiness in that home. Come on, it can eventually become contagious to the wife, the mother, and to the children. And so, guys, I want to exhort you today, don't live life with a sour disposition. Live life with a smile on your face. Live life with thankfulness in your heart, knowing in whom you have believed. Knowing that what you have put your faith in, which is God, God is faithful to you. The passage of Scripture that I'd like to begin with here today is we're going to journey through 11 verses in the Psalms are spoken directly to men. These verses of Scripture have helped me, guys. I'm just going to be honest. My discipleship, my, the growth of my discipleship began in 1986. I was converted as a young boy, 1978, eight years of age. 
I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the summer of 1986, the very summer that I got married. I had also accepted the call to ministry that very same year and began to preach the gospel. And so my discipleship began where I began to become a student of the Word of God. So, guys, I found myself hiding the Word in my heart, learning, knowing that I, I, didn't, have a, I didn't have a depth of God's Word in my heart, but that was no excuse. I didn't have to remain in that position. I could begin to study. The passages of Scripture that we're going to read today have been, uh, I have read audibly, I've read privately countless times to help me as a husband, as a father, as a husband and a father. Here in the first verse of the Psalm 127, it says, except the Lord build the house. Now, I'm telling you, there's such depth to that passage of Scripture. It's a song, it says here, for Solomon. In the, the actual King James Version of the Bible, it says, a song for Solomon. It doesn't say a song of Solomon. It says a song for Solomon. I believe it was penned by David, who's preparing his son for the great task of building the house of God. And so David is exhorting his son. He says, unless the Lord does this, it doesn't matter how many men that you're going to have. It doesn't matter how many trained workmen that you're able to secure. It doesn't matter how much taxation that you put upon the people to secure enough workers to build the house. Unless God's in it, then it's not going to be blessed. Men, one of the greatest lessons in life you can learn, unless God is for you, unless God is in the middle of it, you can labor all day. You can do everything you know to do, and it will be not sufficient. But when you have determined to allow God to bless you, unless the Lord builds the house, it doesn't matter how you build it. Unless the Lord keeps the city. I know personally that some of you have beside your bed in a night chest a pistol to protect your family with. Some of you just steps away, have a... Uh, not a small arm, but you have uh, a sawed-off shotgun, so to speak, to protect your family. I know that some of you have a cache, C-A-C-H-E, of arms that there are third-world countries that would be envious of the amount of arms that you have that are just a, uh, a few steps away from your house to help protect or in your house from your bedroom or from where you sleep at night. But let me say this, unless... The Lord watches over your house. I don't care if you have a nuclear bomb inside your house. It's not going to be any value. You've got to have God watching over you. I'll tell you what, I, I believe in firearms. I believe in protection, but I'd rather have God send me the skinniest angel. God, I don't even have to have that Michael or, or, or Gabriel, I don't even have to have one. You pick out the skinniest one, and you send him to my household. And I'll tell you what, I'll sleep like a baby, knowing that God's got an angel watching over my house. He says it's, right, it's vain. Look at this. He, he, if you'll understand the context of this passage, it, on, on, the, on, the, on the surface level, it looks, as you begin, it looks like it's one of the the, uh, the unisex verses of Scripture, but as you look closer, you'll start to see that God is speaking to the men as, he, as Solomon is as being spoken to by the father David. It says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, because God will give you sleep. Now, I want to say this. I say this often as a pastor. I believe that a man's responsibility, men, I'm going to challenge you. Young men, my pastor challenged me when I was a young man. 
sitting in a discipleship class for preachers, as he challenged us preachers, he said, as a husband, as a father, he said, you ought to be the first man up in the morning in the household. You ought to be the first person up, and you ought to be the last person in bed at night. You ought to take that responsibility upon yourself. And here, I believe, even though if you look at this passage uh, from the wrong direction, it's, he's sim- simply saying, don't necessarily do that. He's saying, no, make sure that you do it with a confidence in God. A confidence in God because God will give you rest because he's watching over your house. He's watching over your family. He's watching over your children. Sherry and I are going through, you know, the process of, we're not, we're not going through the process of empty nesters. We've understood, we've, we've, we've accepted that role and, and that, that, ta- that change of season of life. Matter of fact, we celebrated occasionally. <laughs> not only have we accepted it, but occasionally we, accept, we, we, we celebrate it. But let me say this. It's, a, it's a different to just celebrate the empty nest. It's another thing when they're flying way, way off. Because when they're just down the road, there's a little sense of security there. You can run right up there. But when they're about to go to Alaska or when they've gone to uh, California or they're down in Florida, there comes a moment when you've got to just pause and say, you know what, i got to trust God. You know, all the while, as long as I felt like that, I, they were within arm's reach, the blessing of God that could be up, that's upon my life, the angel that God sent to watch over me is going to keep them. But now I have to stretch my faith and trust that God will follow them to California. God will follow them to Florida and God will follow them to Alaska. And if God takes them around the world, I'm telling you that I can't reach them. I cannot reach them. Going through the season that Sherry and I have gone through just recently, I've sat up late at night planning and contemplating, but I've tried by faith to reject anxiety. I've tried to reprove and to rebuke fear and worry. I've tried to say, God, you you order my steps. Then I'm going to trust that you're going to make and move things around at the right time. But let me tell you, church family and men, you got to, You've got to set your heart because anxiety and fretting and worrying will begin to set on your heart until you get agitated. And that agitation will eventually lead to anger and eventually lead to bitterness. And you'll find yourself taking out your frustrations upon the people that you're trying to provide for. That's why you just got to rest in God. He said, God will give you sleep at night God, will, if you'll put your faith in him. Here he then begins to say this to us fathers. Let me see the hand of those men that are among us that are fathers today. Let me look around. Quite a few guys in here have their hands raised testifying that they're a father. Let me tell you about your children and what they are. You say, Pastor, you don't know my kids. <laughs> Listen, you got to look through the eyes of faith. The Bible says in Romans 4, God calls things that be not as though they were. Your children might be on drugs, but you need to be calling them the blessed of God. Your children may be alcoholics, but you need to call them the the servants of the Lord. You need to be speaking life over them, the hope of God. Here's what your children are. Read this with me. It says, third verse, children are the heritage of the Lord. Children are the heritage of the Lord. You have a heritage. The heritage is the faith that you are able to pass into into the life stream of your children, the bloodstream of your children. The faith that you possess, but it's got to be a valid faith. I'm telling you, children discern hypocrisy so quickly. And you better not be one way here on Sunday morning and another way all through the week. It's a stench in the nostrils of God. And when you begin to recognize 
that the children that God has given you are the heritage of the Lord, then I'm telling you, you'll begin to see them differently. If you've got small children, guys, let me tell you, celebrate with those small children. Celebrate with them. I'm telling you, do everything that you can. Make every ball game that you can make, right? Make every picnic or every birthday that you can, right? Do everything that you have the opportunity to do. Hold them, love them, slobber on them. There will come a day when your teenage boys do not want you to slobber on them. I know. But as long as you can hold them and slobber on them, you know what you're doing? You're marking them with your spiritual DNA. You're, put, you're putting your faith in them. I'm telling you, I can't tell you the times when my children are small, I just slobber all over them. Sometimes just to antagonize them. I, didn't, I found that I wasn't to provoke them to wrath. It was a fine line that you had to kind of walk on. I'm sure I crossed over a few times. But in doing so, there was a desire in my heart. The desire in my heart was that as I held them and loved them, that, that, that my faith that I possessed would one day be held by them. And I want to challenge you. Say, well, okay, pastor, yeah, I can see that. That's Jojo. He's got Elijah and Josiah and all these other children. Yeah, he can hold them in his lap and slobber on them. And my kids are, are grown and gone. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, still consider them the heritage of the Lord. Do everything that you can to stay connected. Don't sit at home and say, well, you know, my kids don't call me. Well, let me tell you right now, your cell phone works. And, and you can call them the same way that they can call you. So don't make that excuse. Don't, you're the mature one. You're the mature one. So don't, don't, don't sit back and whine in a pity party and say, you know, well, if they really love me, they would reach out. No, don't do that. You love them. And so you keep sowing love. You keep giving love. You keep reaching out. And you keep being a voice of encouragement to them. Your children are a heritage of the Lord. They were the, the, the fruit of your wife's womb was his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. Come on. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Look at this. Here's that passage. Happy is the man. Happy is the man. It's the same word in the Hebrew that was translated blessed in Psalm 1. So you could read it the same way if you chose to. Blessed is the man or happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. And so as you live your life and as you brought your children up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and as you continue to speak life over them and blessing over them and prophesying over them, then there's a confidence deep down in your heart that they're going to be used by God one day, that they're going to be used by God one day to make a difference in the kingdom of God. They're going to be used by, one, by, by God one day to set up a house and a household of godliness, that a heritage of faith. I believe in the blessing of God upon my children and my children's children, that God can, through my faith as I prophesy it, that it can pass into my children and then it will pass through their audible words one day into our children's children. And so here, you can rest assured that God's going to take your children, He's going to use your children, and they're going to be able to speak with the enemies in the gate, and they're not going to be ashamed. Man, that's a good word right there. Now, let me ask you guys, let me say, if you see that psalm, and you begin to read that and meditate, because my, my job as a pastor, my responsibility is to teach men. Part of my responsibility, if you read the book of Second, uh, 1 Timothy and also the book of Titus, my job is I'm supposed to speak to men. I'm supposed to speak to women. I'm supposed to speak to aged women and young women. But there's an exhortation to speak to the fathers from the scriptures that I as a pastor am to take a leadership role and to challenge men to be who God's called them to be. 
even if you're a single man, if you don't know, if you don't have any children, it doesn't matter in that sense that God blesses your house, your home, who you are and where you are. So guys, let me tell you, if you'll begin to study Psalm 127 and speak that life over your children, I'm telling you, I believe this with all my heart. Isaiah 55, God said, as the rain falleth down from heaven and does not return unto me void, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Come on, when rain falls on parched ground, you can rest assured it won't be long before that, that, that browned grass is now turning green again. Amen. Right? And there's a restoration that's taking place. God said, that's the way my word is. When I speak it, I'm telling you, it's not coming back to me without producing the desired results. And God is using you guys as a means and a way for the word of God to be spoken. The Word of God should be spoken over your house and your household, and you confess it. I cannot tell you, I'm just being honest to you today in my private devotions. I cannot tell you the countless times that I have walked through a sanctuary or I've walked through my home in my own prayer time, driving down the road, and I've said, Father, I thank you that my children are a blessing from God, that they are the reward of faith, and my children are my heritage. They're arrows in my hands, and God, I can launch them into the place that you, God, and you can take them by your grace to where you desire them to go so guys i want to tell you don't give up on god Amen. believe his word and prosper psalm 127 write it on the tablet of your heart and then a powerful this is what's unique about these two psalms they the thought just continues it seems it's a little bit different but it's again spoken directly to the men here it says blessed is every one Certainly, that's applicable to, once again, the unisex application. But again, a little further journeying down into the Psalms reveals to us that it's being spoken to men. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord and that walks in his ways. And on your wrist, it says, blessed is the man. Guys, you want to be blessed by God? Walk in his ways. Can I make it any more plainer? Can God make it any more plainer? You want to walk in the blessing of God, walk in his ways. Does that make sense today? You've got to study, become a student of God's word. Don't give me the excuse of ignorance. Ignorance is easily correctable. Come on, church family, help me out a little bit in here. Ignorance is easily correctable by just applying yourself to the word of God. By, by determining in your heart that you're going to study the ways of God. You're going to watch, God's, watch God reveal himself in his word. Here it says, as it continues on, For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. You're going to see fruit from your effort that you make in fearing God and walking in his ways. And the end result is, look at this. Here's going to be a part of the fruit of your effort. I believe this with all of my heart. Oh, my God, I feel Jesus. And now, here's where I'm going. If you're not careful, if you're not careful, you're going to judge me. And you're going to say, well, Pastor Brown is just, uh, uh, he's just one of those guys. He just brags. I remember years ago, there was a guy that left our church. For whatever reason, it was kind of a strange moment. And his accusation that he made about me was that I just bragged on my children too much. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. If that's what's going to cause you to leave, then I'm going to say this very respectfully. Don't let the door hit you on the way out if that's going to cause you to leave. Right? Because I, 
Every man ought to be speaking blessing and life over his children. When you get in a conversation with them, you ought to have to try to ask him to shut up so you can tell about your kids because he's telling you about what God's doing in, the, in his. And so this passage of Scripture here, look at this. Here's the fruit of it. It says you're going to eat the labor of your hands. So you begin to set your heart after God. You're that young father. Some of the young guys in here, I'm so excited where you're at right now. Some of you are uh, you're, you're fathers to your own natural children, but you're also fathers to, uh, uh, from the marriage coming together a little bit later, and you've got stepchildren that are becoming your children, and, and you're wanting to learn and grow. And I'm telling you, I love to see that excitement in your heart, and it doesn't mean it's easy. doesn't mean it's not without challenge. It doesn't mean that you don't get frustrated. doesn't mean you don't have difficult days, and there's not times when you and, this, why, you and your wife still argue. I, that's all, I understand all those things, but I'm telling you, God, if you'll take the lead, if you'll just keep pressing on, keep walking after his ways, determine in your heart that you're going to follow God, you're a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ, and nothing's going to deter you from your passionate pursuit after God, let me tell you, then you'll begin to see the fruit of that effort. Amen. You say, well, pastor, show, tell me what that fruit is. Look at this. It's going to be, number one, you're going to be happy. I had six women say amen. Guys, you're going to be happy. You can live life with a smile on your face. You don't have to go home every day and kick the dog and shun your wife. And pout and be bitter, but you can come in and you can change the, the, the tenor of the whole room simply by your presence there with a smile on your face because you're happy. You're blessed of God. You recognize it. Happy shalt thou be, and it's going to go well with thee. I have found that things can go well and things can go sour. I'd take, with, if I have a preference, I'll choose th when things go well. Right? Things can go well with you. Look what your wife can be. I'm speaking to the guys. There's only four verses of Scripture, so you know the end is in sight. Look at this. Thy wife shall be a fruitful vine by the side of thy house. Now, once again, as a pastor, I'm, only, I'm opening my heart on Father's Day Part 2. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to say, you know, emulate everything that I do. I'm not trying to do that at all, but Paul did say this, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. He did say this. So, guys, if you've ever taken a moment to listen to me, listen to me right now. You need to pray that word every day. Father, my wife is a fruitful vine by the side of my house. See, Pastor, my wife's kind of cranky at times. <laughs> Who said amen right there? I don't know. That was, a, that was the, the worst place amen I've ever heard in my life. All I can say to you is JoJo's available for counseling this week. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you, speak life. My wife is a fruitful vine. Come on, when you think about a fruitful, a fruitful vine by the side of my house, she produces blessing, favor, kindness, the joy of God in her life. And look what my children will be. My children will be like olive plants round about my table. Olive was one of the, uh, the olive plant or the olive tree was one of the greatest commodities in ancient Israel. One of the greatest resources that the, that the area of Israel produced was olive oil, the fruit of the olive. 
that would be crushed and released out of the olive. And here, the author is using that as a reference. Your children will be fruitful. They'll have an anointing in their life is what I believe. I believe, I've said this many times. Now, some of you that don't know about the anointing, you won't understand what I'm talking about. You don't have to be a pastor to have the anointing. Now, in the old day, the only t- in the old covenant, the only people that had the anointing was a prophet, a priest, or a king. That's the only day, only person. But we're living in a dispensation where God has allowed all of us to have the anointing of God upon our lives. We've been consecrated, set apart by God. We're walking in the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. And one thing that I've learned in my own life, that the anointing that God has put in my life, every man's anointing, every woman's anointing differs. But God's put an anointing in your life, and I believe that the anointing can flow upon your children. If a father has an anointing upon his life, that anointing will be, di- will be discerned by their children, and one day the children themselves will begin to walk in the anointing of God. I'm going to just say this in all honesty and in all sincerity. Two weeks ago, those of you that came out, that when you heard mine and Sherry's daughter Ashley preach and you saw the anointing on her life, I know you may have not told anybody, but I can guarantee you you thought this and she said this. If you know about the anointing, you said this. She's got her daddy's anointing. I, I can guarantee you because if you heard her, you could discern it. It was that same fragrance. It was that same discernible fragrance of Christ that was represented. And when a man begins to recognize that he's got the anointing on his life and his children are a reward and they're the heritage of God and his wife is a fruitful vine by the side of his house and that his children can have an anointing upon their life, I said, my God. What a change can be made in our homes and our communities when we discern the virtue and the value of the Spirit of God upon our lives to our children. Here it says, Behold, thou thus shall the man be blessed that does what? That fears the Lord. That man's going to be blessed. Look what's going to happen. The Lord's going to bless you out of Zion. God's going to bless you out of Zion. And you're going to see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. You may have accepted the lie of the enemy. And you may say, well, I I came up out of this reproach or I came up in this reproach and all I saw was sorrow and travail in my family and and, and this happened in my family. And and, and it may be be cringing in your mind to the degree that you're not walking by faith. I come along today to break that spirit in the name of Jesus until you begin to see God differently and see how much he loves you by hanging his son on the cross so that he would give you life and life more abundantly. And you begin to walk in the fullness of his blessing and pass that blessing upon your children you don't have to go into the later years of your life with your heart all twisted angry resentful and bitter you don't guys let me tell you you don't have to die a grouchy angry old man but you can age in the goodness of god until your children begin to discern what's in you is authentically of god and what you've got they want And you begin to see the blessing recycle itself. My God, I felt that right there. I said, the blessing begins to recycle itself. And it begins to pass through you to your children. And one day you'll begin to see your children speak under the anointing of God. One of the greatest joys that I've been able to see is when I see my children begin to exercise faith that they have observed in my life. Was it that long ago? Was the report? Sherry was talking with 
Ashley, and Ashley was telling just a little bit. Ashley's our oldest daughter. For those of you who don't know, the only uh, one that has grandchildren right yet. And uh, Ashley is uh, Ashley's a good preacher, but she's a great mommy. She is a mommy. She's, she's awesome. That's all I could tell you. And, 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 and Matt's, Matt's a good daddy. He's getting better. I hope he don't listen to this message. Maybe he needs to. He's getting better. He's growing. And little Malachi, little, we call him Malichi. For those of you. And I'm, I'm closing. I'm closing right now. Malachi um, has a tendency at times to, to correct even adults. And so Sherry was telling us where he corrected her recently. But he, where's Sherry at? She stepped out there in the foyer. Maybe I shouldn't say this. <laughs> Sherry said, she was, something happened. She said, oh, Lordy. And Malachi waited till nobody's around. He said, Grandma, we don't need to say that. That's not, that's not good. He was so sincere. <laughs> and uh, Matt, was, Matt was correcting Malachi because he, he was correcting a, an adult like that. And I know there's too much. And, he said, and Matt said, Malachi, he said, you don't correct adults. And Ashley waited for the kids not be around. And she said, Matt, that's not right because that's the shepherd in him. That's the shepherd in him. Now, why am I saying that to you today? It's because Ashley is the fruit of the reward. It's the recycling. And so the things that I saw, she's now seeing. And the spirit of God that was on me as a younger man is now recycling. And I believe it's going to recycle all the way down through all six children. I'm only using myself as an example because I don't know anybody else to point to in that moment but my personal experiences to challenge men. Guys, you're blessed. You're blessed. Live your life with awareness that you're the blessed of God. Let's read that last verse and then I'll ask you to stand. The Lord's going to bless you out of Zion and you're going to see your children's children. You're going to see your children's children. And you're going to see peace upon your household, peace upon Israel. That's how I want to live life. I hope that's how the guys in this church family want to live life, in favor and blessing. Daryl, would you join me? And we're going to close in prayer. I'm going to ask, as Daryl joins me on the platform, it's, I know it's right at the end, and I'm, I've got to wrap up, and I want to do one thing. I'm not going to call anybody out. I'm not going to do anything, but I'm going to ask the guys to do just one monumental thing of faith. Just be courageous enough to come and stand at the front of the church. I'm going to ask you to do so right now.